Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. I'm Lori Baker. This show is a special Knott's Landing double feature with two of the series' most popular stars, Michelle Lee and Joan Van Ark. Both of these interviews were hosted by Tammy Weston. First, we start with Michelle's interview, and about halfway through this episode, we will then switch gears to Joan Van Ark. But to start with, Michelle Lee is an accomplished actress, singer, dancer, director, and producer who is best known for her Emmy Award-nominated role as Karen Fairgate McKenzie on the 1980s primetime soap opera Knott's Landing. She's also a two-time Tony Award nominee, and she starred in Knott's Landing for all 14 seasons from 1979 to 1993 and was the only cast member to appear in every episode. So here's Michelle Lee and Tammy Weston. I'm talking with the ever-fabulous Michelle Lee today. Uh, Michelle, I want to thank you for being with us today. Oh, I thank you. This is fun. Most of your fans uh, know you as Karen Fairgate from Not Slanding. But what a lot of people don't know is that you are an accomplished actress of stage as well as screen and uh, a singer. Well, actually, you know, before I did Knox Landing, we did the pilot in 1979. Uh, before 1979, I had done three Broadway shows, literally. I was in the first original How to Succeed on Broadway as Rosemary, which I subsequently did in the film. And music is my whole background. And it's so funny because through the course of time, when I was doing Knots Landing and I would ever sing, or a few times I did, uh, I think just twice on, on Knots, uh, people would say, oh, my gosh, you sing. I had no idea you had a voice. And then, of course, people from Broadway would, uh, maybe they never even saw Knots Landing. What a shame. Well, you started singing at 16, is this true, in clubs. At, and I think if I uh, read correctly in my research, uh, the first was Dino's Lodge on Sunset. Oh, my goodness. You did do your work. You know, is that correct? Lo- yeah, that is correct, and I <laughs> lied, and I was underage. And I, I will tell everybody out there, you Dino's tell. Lodge <laughs> on Sunset was also where they did, for people who are over 40, um, the, there was a television called 77 Sunset Strip, bottom, bottom. And that was Dino's Lodge. And my mother took me to Dino's Lodge. I was 16, and you had to be 18 or 21 or whatever it was because it was a bar restaurant. And um, I auditioned, and I I got it. So I sang there for uh, two weeks. But, you know, I didn't just start on Broadway. I also did records, believe it or not. Um, with Columbia Records. So that was before, and quickly, before we talk about other things not landing-ish, uh, which I love to do because I love that show more than anything, and the character I played and all my friends from not landing, um, I will now tell you, because you are talking about singing, that on May 17th, which is a Sunday, I am singing at a place called Catalina Jazz Club on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. It's not the island of Catalina. And the wonderful thing about it is that all my friends from Knott's Landing, my sweet (gasps) girling, yes, you can do uh, They're all there. Oh, isn't that great? It is, it is. They're going to be there. Uh, so if anybody who is around um, the 17th of May in Los Angeles and want to see me at Catalina 
Jazz Club on Sunset Boulevard. Do your stuff. June 11th, 12th, and 13th. I'm going to be in New York City at 54 Below, that wonderful, exciting, sexy nightclub. And I am doing another show there um, that corresponds with Cy Coleman's birthday. If he were alive, he'd be 86 today. And it is the most extraordinary show. Um, uh, Cy Coleman, the composer, and just another little piece of information, I did a an incredible musical on Broadway called Seesaw. And uh, Cy and Dorothy Fields wrote the music. And my relationship with him uh, went on until we lost him. So every time I do this character, Gittle Mosca, I feel him watching me giddle from above. (laughs) That was difficult. (laughs) You know, I wanted to actually bring up 54 below the the supper club because doing my research i absolutely fascinated by your voice and just your presence on stage and uh what i wanted to ask you is do you have like a one-woman show that you do yeah i love being on stage um and i love having people laugh so i i do have a show that i do and uh, one of them is going to be at the Catalina, which is just filled with uh, laughs. I mean, because I love talking to the audience. I, I love it. So I'm so much more me slash Karen slash Michelle mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with my mouth. I open my mouth and things fall out of it. And, and I sing. And then the other show I'm doing at 54 Below, which I love. I, I did it last season also. But I, uh, I, that is another concert that I'm doing. And then I do that same show at the Kennedy Center in November. Um, wow. So, yeah, I, I, I love it. It's the closest thing to being on stage. And I can wrap my arms around the audience. And I really thank you for um, what you said about uh, my singing, which was, of course, my first love. Number one, I've been a fan for since the... Herbie, or since the Love Bug days in yeah, Disney, and that was Herbie. And we just didn't and call it I, Herbie. <laughs> one of the things that really uh, attracted me to your work was your smile. Aww. That you just, I really, I mean, and truly, just you know, it seems like when you smile, it just kind of brightens up a room, and and it just really commands the room, really, and well, uh, just your. I thought, boy, this woman has got just a talent that just goes forever. <laughs> you know, it's just well, one you know area. What? As I was just saying, I really love to laugh. I love to laugh. That It has saved me in so many cases, I cannot tell you. Uh, and, of course, we've heard this before, but if we can't laugh, we're all in trouble because life yeah. just throws those rocks at us sometimes. And I've been able to get through everything by actually having a wicked sense of humor. Uh, and some people pale when, when I open my mouth. But again, because I've seen so many different parts of your work, um, and I've seen great dramatic scenes that you've played, and also the best comedy and physical comedy, which I just makes me laugh stuff. and laugh mm-hmm. and laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you prefer, or is there any that you prefer? What's you easier know, to do? You know, when I did Not Landing... Um, it's almost a trap you can fall into because you're you're safe because there's no audience. It's only your fellow classmates and mm-hmm. and the crew standing around. So you know, God forbid you've made a, a mistake, you could say cut, or the director says cut, and then you're able to do it again. Um, and y- you know, in Not Landing, also we always had a, there was some serious stuff going on, and sometimes very poignant. And at the same mm-hmm. time, we had our tongue firmly placed in our cheek so that when I would do these scenes uh, with my husband, uh, Kevin Dobson, um, you know, you see romantic comedy. I mean, we were everybody had a sense of humor at times. Most all the characters did. And uh, I just loved it because we were able to do really comedy. And when I'm on stage, it's dangerous. When I'm doing my show, my singing, it's dangerous because 
if something goes wrong, you have to swing with it. You have to go with it. Uh, what I love now, because I'm older and I can do anything I uh, fill in the word please, um, I make it fun, you know. I, I, I don't care. It's like I can do whatever I want to do now, including make a mistake. And um, so I have fun with it. And so it's even though it's dangerous and a little more difficult, uh, life's too short. It is apparent, though, uh, that I can – that's very true uh, because I've, I've seen that in your stage performances where it's the ad – you know, your ad living, you just kind of go with the flow of the audience and they just really respond to you and I just – it's really great. You know what? It's really it's great. Like with Karen, um, Karen, I always said, Karen was every woman. And I think that a lot of people uh, were attracted to the character because I really was like a girlfriend. You know, they they knew that in uh, <clears throat> my style of acting, in the in the way of this particular character, um, was who I think they identified with um, the women, maybe some of the men, but mm-hmm. the women they identified uh, with uh, this woman who they would like to aspire to be in terms of her curiosity, her um, spunk her intelligence, her uh, being able to storm into someone's house and tell them, you know, to get off the cul-de-sac. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, th- that's very much me. And I think that uh, that uh, people think of, of me in a way then as their best friend, girlfriend next door, as I do with Val, hello, um, Joan Van Ark. You know, Joan Van Ark... And I, I just saw her like two weeks ago. She came to my house. We're all very close. And um, Joan Van Ark. She's a sweetheart. Just a sweetheart. she? Yeah. Oh, I just love her. Yeah, she really is. And, you know, to this very day, and I know people who really follow uh, knots uh, now, today, uh, know this, if they've heard us say it. I still, and, and it is our own fun with each other, but she will, not in person, but when we write, when we email, whatever, I'm Karen. I, I write to Val and she writes to Karen. And when she, um, and when I've had birthdays or, or you know, she's opened in something, whatever, when we, when we send each other a card, it's Val and Karen. <laughs> and I so treasure it because it's like we have a finger on each other's heart. You know, and it's right. Home, phone home, Val. I have to, Uh, and and that being said, I have to, um, I I wanted to bring this up. Uh, I I wanted to know if you would explain the phrase uh, to Karen, always by your side, forever, Val. Oh, my gosh. Uh, are you asking me where I've seen it, heard it? No, I, I it? know, I know where it's from. But for our listeners, I think that would be a great treasure for them to yeah. hear. It is a treasure. If, if you don't mind, do if it. you don't mind. No, absolutely, it is a treasure. I knew exactly what you meant, and it is a, a cup, a coffee cup, that Joan gave me when our show was finished, and that's what she had put on. Uh, the coffee cup, because uh, the characters, the two characters, of course, were always in the kitchen having coffee together, or as we would say sometimes, let's go get a pizza um, whenever we were in trouble with our men or whatever. But um, (laughs) I do have it sitting on a shelf in my office, in my home, always by your side, the phrase that she used on the cup, and it had us on the coffee cup, running side by side, each of us, from the pilot of our show. Um, it was something they took from uh, one of our beach scenes, and it had uh, Karen and Val next to each other running, and that's what's always side by side. Yeah, very sweet. Oh, for her. it was very sweet. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your friendship with Kevin Dobson. You know, we have these uh, super couples uh, that people refer to. And what I wanted to know is, in your words, what does it take to have that great chemistry? 
I, I will tell you we had great respect for each other, great respect for each other. I'll give you an example of what this man did once, um, that, and it will show you the kind of person he is. Um, my, while we were doing Knox Landing, uh, my grandfather passed away, and, uh, and so after uh, the funeral service, we came back to my home to, um, you know, you just, it's like getting together to talk about the person, and um, I, Kevin Dobson. Kevin Dobson for my grandfather. And that's the kind of man he was. He heard my grandfather passed away. So there he was uh, celebrating my grandfather's life. And that is the kind of man he is. Um, We, we of course, worked together for so long. You cannot have what we had on, uh, on screen without loving each other. And you see that also with Gary and Val because Absolutely. two of them, it's the same thing. There's such love and respect between the two actors that you know that uh, it, it not only is it portrayed on the screen, but when they see each other and us, uh, you know, during our <laughs> off-camera time, you see the story of, of uh, seeing each other. Actually, um, we all got together with Donna Mills, the, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five of us, uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, to get together, take some photos. Um, and that, actually, that's when they said, oh, a Catalina Jazz Club, we're going to be there. Oh, isn't that great? Yes, that's when. That's when we all got together when they said, well, when, what time, you know, and they were calling and making the reservations. Um, so, and David Jacobs, our, oh gosh, creator, as we call him, and he was the creator, and uh, our dear, dear friend is going to be there also. Oh, so, Michelle, yeah. that's fabulous. Isn't that great? Um, go ahead. So I am doing something <laughs> special for them when they're there. Um, oh. I cannot tell you about but I no no that's okay that's okay I wanted to ask you what Michelle's relationship with Karen was or I mean uh, did you sometimes not like her in certain times or no did um, you have a love-hate relationship with no I had a love relationship with her and it didn't matter whether she was doing things that were unacceptable um, to other people you know it was like a it was a time where I really saw that uh, whatever one goes through in life is up, down, around, good, bad. Um, and I lived my life uh, on film with Karen in that way. It was like, um, and many times, the not Lanny fans will know what I'm saying now, many times we would go to David Jacobs and give him a concept or an idea that maybe came from uh, what happened to us yesterday. Um, and uh, he would incorporate it in the show. So there were so many things that, uh, even between Joan and me and our friendship, that we played out from what was happening in life. And... Um, no, actually, when the show was over, I mourned. I really did because there was such a a large part of who I was uh, in that character that I I hated losing her. And I think probably um, everybody kind of feels the same. That's why we've held on to a friendship that went beyond 14 seasons through five mm-hmm. presidents. That's mm-hmm. a oh, long wow. time to learn and love it is other it is i wanted to know your thoughts also on um daytime tv and you know where tv is going you know we have a lot of reality shows now a lot of i see tv going in a different way and we have more web series more independent films more independent tv series uh do you think that's uh in well the day better for hollywood or not good (laughs) well there's a lot of things that are not good um all over the place obviously um but uh um but there's so much brilliance uh when you say daytime television what are you talking about in terms of i'm sorry i should have clarified Uh, um with 
well, like daytime television as far as soap operas go. Um, oh, they're, you know, Days of Our Lives is kidding. They're 50 years. Um, and, you know, there's always talk of cancellation, you know, that type of stuff. It's, it's been such a staple for, for TV, in TV history. Right. And all of a sudden now, you know, we have a young younger generation that I can, you know, ask somebody who's probably 25 and younger if they've ever seen a soap opera, and the first question they'll say is, what is a soap opera? <laughs> well, a soap opera um, is today. Um, the reason they're saying that is that so many reality shows are soap operas. When you look at something like the Kardashians, what is it? It's a soap opera. What happens to a family when this person does or says X and uh, then you uh, leave that and you go to another sister or another whatever who's having trouble with her marriage? So uh, they don't, uh, so much of television is, I hate to call it soap opera, but it's a continuing story. And actually, I'll get back to Knox Landing for a minute. when Knott's Landing started, and, of course, we had <clears throat> incredible competition during our run, and we always held our own. And what happened was, because we were, we did not start, as by the way, as a continuing story. We sewed up the whole story every single episode until uh, year two and became more a continuing story. Uh, and once we did it, because they couldn't get rid of us, we were so popular that all the other, and still today, if you see any show, The Good Wife, any of the shows that are on today, there's always a part of them that is a continuing story. And I I really believe that during the day of Knott's Landing, for instance, we had uh, L.A. Law opposite uh, us and a few other very big shows, they started doing, along with uh, a storyline that completed itself during that particular episode, they also did a continuing story arc from the time of Knott's Landing till today. Why? Because people want to see, pardon the expression, soap opera, and that's what it is. We all live somehow in scandal-less soap. We live in soap opera. Our lives are continuing story of uh, the up and downs and, and um, the unfulfilled and the wishes and the, um, the threats of everyday life. And that's why the younger kids don't have... Um, the word for it, which is soap operas. What do you think of soap operas? What are soap operas? They yeah, know, yeah, they don't know it. You know, I was I was doing um, and again doing my research, and and I was a fan of Not Slanding. Um, never missed it. That in Dallas. Going back to rewatch the episodes again, I fell in again, just wanting to get to that <laughs> next episode. And I thought, you know, these stories really stand the test of time. They were so interesting and so well acted. Yeah. Uh, and I find even now, in some cases, the actors of today are not as well trained. As oh, I disagree because um, there are so many wonderful shows on television. Um, and I'm not talking about just continuing show. You know, we've opened up a world um, in film um and as you said, there's no networks anymore. I mean, there are networks and cable systems and uh, so many offerings, and some of them are so well. And many of them are done with uh, people who have classically trained backgrounds, stage backgrounds, whatever. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons that Knott's Landing, I think, was so good is that a lot, many of our actors were, were started on on the stage. And uh, to have that kind of training is, you can't buy it. You, you really That's can't I agree. buy it. Because it teaches I agree. you about, pardon the expression, the rhythm of life, the rhythm of theater, the rhythm of uh, film, 
you know, even though there's a director's eye out there, an actor knows when, as John Van Ark likes to say, when when you drop the ball. You know, it's a ping pong. Um, it's there's a rhythm of what you're doing, no matter what character you're playing. Uh, you know when someone has dropped the ball, and I think that comes from a a, uh, a, a stage background because the actor who is responding to the other character uh, innately feels uh, when that ball is dropped, they their performance changes to lift it again or to drop it again or to whatever. It's it's that, as she says, the ping-pong contest that is going on, and contest is the wrong word. But Knott's Landing had wonderful actors who knew how to do, quote, oh, the really? drama yeah. and the comedy. Really. It really did. It really did. In closing up our, our interview, I wanted to know some of your favorite memories from the show, and also uh, if you have a memory of um, of the great Larry Hagman. Oh, yes, of course. I met uh, the late, great Larry Hagman. Actually, when we were doing Knox Landing, we had um, outside of the uh, the Karen Fairgate McKenzie uh, stage, which was stage three, there was an alleyway between our stage and the stage over. And in that alleyway were our dressing rooms. And Larry Hagman's and, and Patrick Duffy's uh, dressing rooms were there in line with mine and a few others. So during the show, and I had met him before, not Lenny, but during that time, we would see each other, you know, so we, we got to know each other in a whole different arena. And also, um, I would go to his house every now and then, or we'd see each other in a social situation. So, yeah, he was quite unbelievably, A, talented with, I'm not telling anybody out there what they don't already know, which it was was such a fun look at life, got over a lot of demons, and lived his life the way he wanted to live. And uh, that's a testament to someone who's living fully. And, yeah, it was, they had a great time over there, too. And a favorite storyline or favorite memory from Not Landing? Well, there are many of them. Uh, the storyline I think that I loved uh, was not my storyline, but it, but it Val's twins, and everyone always talks about that because whenever kids are in trouble, um, I think an audience just you know we 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 want to save the children, and of course uh, Joan is such an incredible actress that uh, she could pull off anything and. You know, you just really died for that character. For me, yes. uh, the uh, the I can't point to one, but the fun, as I mentioned before, that I had with Kevin Dobson in our um, oh gosh, our almost comedic relationship was what I cherished the Knots Landing run because I would get excited when we'd you know, have that, again, that kind of ping-pong thing that um, that we were able to do as this uh, couple. And I think that we represented the marriage that would always stay together, no matter what. So we, were resent- we represented marriage, uh, a look at marriage that survives. Everybody, before I get off here, I just wanted to remind you that I'm going to be at Catalina Jazz club off of sunset boulevard in los angeles and if you want to see me do a couple of things we were talking about uh, like sing and perform and laugh uh why don't you try to get over there thanks next up joan van ark who is most notable for her role as valine ewing in knots landing for this role she twice won the soap opera digest award for best actress in 1986 and 1989 A life member of the Actors Studio, she has also received a Theatre World Award and has been nominated for a Tony Award for her stage work. I'm talking with Joan Van Ark today uh, with with the iconic, ever-popular Knott's Landing. Uh, Hello, Joan. Well, Knott's Landing, and I'm proud to say, though it wasn't much, also uh, I started out in Dallas because Gary and Val, Gary Gary Ewing and Valene, 
who had yes. the southern and the Dallas accent. Uh, we were the spin-off characters, which really uh, started. And w- when we moved from Dallas to the cul-de-sac, that was the beginning of Knott's Landing. You, at 15, had the chance to interview uh, the great Julie Harris. Oh, yes, I, I wanted did. to know what that was like for well, you at that time, and then to know, you know, so many years later that she would be playing your mother. It, it was totally, you know, uh, 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 unexpected. They didn't know my history with her, which was minimal, but but amazing because at 15, um, I was in uh, uh, high school, and it was the, I had already started doing some plays um, at a theater in Boulder, Colorado, where I grew up. And um, and there's another story on that. It was the Nomad Playhouse, and I did several plays from 14, 15, 16, 17 until I graduated from high school. Bottom line was I had sort of a uh, a resume and a history in Boulder and Denver. So when Julie came through on a tour, on a national tour with a play, I my father was in public relations, and I for the Rocky Mountain News, which is a newspaper that still exists, I interviewed her like the young starlet interviewing the star. And there she was with her long, long hair and a page boy and looking, you know, like amazing Julie Harris. And we did this interview, and there were photos, and it appeared in the newspaper. But at the end of the interview, I said to her, what are your suggestions after I graduate, you know, for further studying my drama? And all I want to do is act. And she said, I was the same way. School was not my favorite subject. Um, And she went on scholarship straight out of high school, to the Yale School of Drama, the first female to do so, the first actress. Long story short, she sent a letter to the dean. My family drove me back from Boulder, Colorado, to New Haven, Connecticut. I met the dean, and I was the second to Julie Harris to receive a scholarship to Yale Drama School straight out of high school. So I am so proud of that, I can't breathe. Now, the long, the, 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 the cherry on top of the Sunday for this is when Julie sadly passed a year and a half ago, I thought, what can be done to remember this woman and Yale and all of it? And I started a scholarship for a young actress. Uh, I'm hoping all, all, it always goes to an actress uh, to, to attend the Yale Drama School on scholarship, as Julie did, as did I. And the first two people I contacted and called were Donna and Michelle, of course, and they wrote a check without even blinking, a, a substantial one. Alec Baldwin made it possible by giving me or giving Yale $25,000 as seed money immediately. He actually was my first phone call was to my bro, Alec, who played my brother on Knott's Landing. So wow. it, it, the, the Julie Harris connection is emotional. It's uh, uh, spiritual. Uh, it, it, it's, it, she's my icon. I, I, I just, my mentor, everything. I love this woman with all my heart and soul. And I have enjoyed her work and have loved her, watching her um, just as as well. So, I, I yeah. thank you for answering that because that's well. It that was, was a just long one version, that just but it, me. well, it's a long answer. But the thing is, she's a long, huge part of my actress, and I choose that word specifically because I know it's PC to say actor, but she touches my actress heart, you know, very deeply, and uh, she's she's just part of everything I do. <laughs> when you were in, because you had some really great dramatic scenes with with Julie and I wondered for you personally uh when you began that relationship that mother-daughter relationship with uh Val and Lily May was it uh did you have a did you find that there was a period where you were nervous working with her because of who she was when she joined the cast, it was a, t- a totally a coincidence that they picked Julie Harris instead of one of the Gabor sisters, which is what I, you know, I knew I was going. There was going to be a mother at some point for Valine, and they said we've just cast your mother, and I held my breath, hoping it wasn't Phyllis Diller or Joan Rivers <laughs> or you know, so I held my breath and thought, what am I going to hear? And it wasn't Joan Rivers, and it wasn't Phyllis Diller. It was Julie Harris. I let out a scream, and David Jacobs and Michael Feilerman, the two co-producers, said, is that good or bad? 
I, I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it was Julie. And then jumped to starting work with her, and it took me many, maybe a couple of months even, to get over the butterflies and the intimidation of working with the one and only great Julie Harris. I had first seen her when I was 14 years old when my mother took my sister and me at gunpoint because I thought, why do I want to sit in a theater in an afternoon when I could be out in the Colorado sunshine uh, and watch a play? But I saw Julie Harris do The Lark, which is Joan of Arc, my namesake. I watched her do a performance that absolutely hypnotized me. I couldn't breathe. It was so stunning. And so my introduction to Julie started when I was 14 years old, and it only grew from then on. And and then I later did that interview in the Rocky Mountain News. But uh, she was an icon very early in my life, and, and long story short, then she ends up being the choice my producers made to play my mother. So it was a gift from actors heaven. Well, I'll, if you weren't ever nervous, I can tell you as a fan, it never, ever, ever showed in your performance. It was, I, I was mesmerized by watching you and Julie uh, play together uh, mm-hmm. in in scenes. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I had always loved her and always loved you, and just to see the both of you together. Mm-hmm. Um, really mm-hmm. made me continue want to continue to watch the show and oh. um mm-hmm. I really just really enjoyed it and so on with that uh with with some not slanding questions uh your relationship and friendship with uh Ted Shackelford oh. oh was there any secret to your chemistry uh or you know, was there you tools know, that you used to I think Ted and I did have and still do have, as a matter of fact, because he's like my brother, my my co you know, coworker as an actor. He's my uh what I was gonna say stage husband, but it would be film husband. He's my mate. Maybe that's a better word, mate, because we've continued uh seeing each other, um not totally recently, but we just did a photo shoot for Denis uh, for uh, European uh, distribution, a Knott's Landing reunion kind of thing where we had photos together and single shots, et cetera. And that was just a couple, three weeks ago. But Ted and I, the odd thing is we did a Wonder Woman, of all things, Linda Carter's uh, series, Wonder Woman. Uh, they cast the two of us uh opposite each other for a, an episode of Wonder Woman. We did this episode. It was stressful, um, only because there's a lot of special effects, and it's uh, it was a tricky show anyway um, because of special effects and Linda and all the things that are involved. But uh, we got to know each other sort of a, a bit, the way you do on a set when it's intense and then you never see that person again. But then um, they were casting... Um, they're Gary because the uh, the actor that had done Gary uh, originally when I went down to guest star on Dallas, he was unavailable. He was filming uh, Little Women at Universal Studios, and it was a miniseries, and so he could not spring from that when they wanted to film the pilot for Knots. So David Jacobs, who created Dallas and Knots Landing, called me and said, we're looking at this actor, Ted Shackelford, and we understand you just worked with him. What would you think about you know, having him be your Gary? And I said, oh, God, no, don't do it. We're two alike. We were, we're very high um, energy, kind of emotional. I said, no, it'll never work. We're too, too, too similar. That's not a good idea. Long story short, I go to the table read, which is our first get-together, to read through the script and who's sitting across from me, but Ted Shackelford. So they didn't listen to me at all, and I love them for not listening to me because I love Ted with all my heart. So that was a good thing that happened. Wow, I've, I've always wondered why there was two different Garys. <laughs> yeah, Dave, I, David Aykroyd, I think, I think his name was David Aykroyd, and he... He was the original Gary down in, in, when we filmed in Dallas. I did a kind of arc uh, with the character Valine, Lucy's mother. And I was a waitress. Uh, actually, she was working in Fort Worth, Texas, not right in Dallas. 
but uh, that whole thing started and all the rivalry with uh, J.R. because they thought Valene was trailer trash, which in, in, uh, in a way she was compared to the Ewings, who had money you know, dripping all over the place. Yeah, uh, yeah. Via oil, via their oil thing of, you know, ventures. But, um, it, yeah, and so David was unavailable, and, and uh, they, you know, auditioned and interviewed several others. I, I know Bo Bridges was a potential uh, guest star love interest for me, but the bottom line was they, they jumped on and chose Ted, and I love them. They did do that, and they didn't listen to me. What do I know, Blondie? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what uh, always fascinated me was uh, you had that southern Texas accent, uh, but you're not from Texas. And I was surprised to know that that's not really your voice. And I well, just thought you did such a great job. Well, southern accents, I've heard other actors, you know, do that. And sometimes it's like they go in and out of of doing the Southern, or it doesn't sound real what they do come up with. And I I got the job very quickly because I was doing Estee Lauder voiceover commercials uh, for several, like 11 or 12 years, which happened coincidentally uh, at the same time that I was getting into and working on Knott's Landing. And I was due to go back to New York to record two solid days of 60 um, second commercials and 30 second commercials and they made this offer of would you come down to Dallas and play this role Valley and Ewing um, I didn't know how I could do both be in New York and be in Dallas and my husband read the script he's the one who kind of talked me into it he said you can do it this is a great part this lo- looks like a great you know uh, j- job a great character God bless him for that and somehow we made it work airplane trips etc and it provided the next 15 years of my acting life by going down and doing that relatively sm- not small but you know story arc a guest role and it turned into a 15 year commitment uh, your first impression of Larry Hagman on the set oh. of Dallas well bigger than life loved life um just you know i i, I think in this last arc of time, let's say several months, there are three people I can't imagine are no longer with us. And one, maybe the top of the list would be Larry Hagman because he is, was, you know, someone said to me once, well, you're sure in touch with your inner child still. Larry had a gigantic inner child vibe. He loved life. He loved uh, laughing. He loved I don't know, there was a an, an, uh, special energy in him and with him that was both Larry and the actor. And I think it's because he had such a love of life and of people and fellow actors, etc., that he was able to be the villain because he's the one you loved to hate. And in London a couple years ago, they started uh, Knott's Landing again and Dallas. Uh, re-run- they're rerunning the entire uh, you know, arc of the whole 14 years of the show, 14 and 15 years. And on the buses, on those London double-decker buses, there was an ad that said, Faces You Love, and there was a picture of me, and, on, and then and Faces You Loathe, and it was a picture of Larry. And my daughter has a friend in London, and I said, take pictures of that, because, of course, I couldn't get over there that summer. I said, take pictures, because I've got to you know, see that and have that. And I've got it down. I didn't frame it, but it's down in my office, you know, because I'm proud of that. Faces you love and faces you loathe. And Valine you love and uh, J.R. you loathe. So that was that was something very special to me. You know, I uh, have recently started to rewatch um, Not Slanding and from the beginning. And even today I was watching a scene that you did uh, where uh, Valine has this selective amnesia um, after losing her twins, and Mm -hmm. you have a scene where you're looking in the mirror and getting ready to go out, and I just fascinating with the way that you worked the scene, and it was just amazing to me. It really really was. Well, that scene to me might be the most 
on film, the 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 piece of film I love the most of anything I've done, and I I was just looking at something else I did where I play an Alzheimer uh, Alzheimer's victim. Well, I was so scared to do it, but I, I I wanted to do it because I was scared to do it. So I thought that's a good reason because I I I studied that. We went to an Alzheimer's I don't know what you'd call it, kind of a round table session that was like two hours long where the patients and their caregivers sat around the table and uh, did sort of uh, exercises and memories and this, that, and the other. And I observed these Alzheimer patients. And, you know, uh, Julianne Moore did such a brilliant job in Still Alice. I always thought mine was Jerky Joan because it wasn't still. But then I was much further along in the throes of Alzheimer's. But um, the face-washing scene from Knott's was a, a sort of transition for Valine as she ran away from the tr- the trauma of losing the twins. That skunk Abby, you know, had something to do yeah. with getting them out of <laughs> <Yeah>. that. That <laughs> rhymes with witch, but no, 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 no. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, but I said the best way to show my escaping Valine and uh, or and turning into another character was to completely wash my face and start over again. And so I presented the idea to the director, and I said, you know, I would love to try this if you think it's a good idea. He loved it. I told the cameraman, once I wash my face, you know, if you see any mistake at all, stop me, stop me, because once this face is washed, it's a wrap. We're going home, because I can't go all the way back to the heavily made up face that I start the scene with. Bottom right, line is we right. had one we had one false start and then the second take we went all the way through and it literally I I looked in the mirror I have all this smeared um messy uh eye makeup uh, hair all askew um and I'm supposed to be sort of the abby uh, chapter of of my my imagination. So she's more of a trollop, uh, a tart, and she and she changes from that into Goody Two Shoes, which is Verna Eller's uh, the uh, part I go into. Bottom line is, yes. she, I wash my face and then I put on a whole new soft, what I call pink and white makeup. But I am so proud of that scene because there are no outtakes, there's no editing. They let it play five and and plus minutes un um clipped or unedited and i'm i'm just very proud of that scene and we all hugged like the, the mary tyler moore last episode we all hugged at the end of it because because it all worked and it and we were just so happy and proud of the piece of work uh you and very well you should be proud it was a really really great scene really great thank I, you thank you i really enjoyed the the transition and the character i mean even though it was still valine that transitions in the personalities so it was a transition it was a total transition into another uh personality and i felt it was the best way to show the audience and in fact it was a gateway for me as an actress because it put me into that zip code you know for the character with the clean face that i would continue to play for several many episodes so it was a good help to me too and we uh you mentioned just a few minutes ago um and, and I'm sorry, I, my excitement got the best of me because I had just got through watching it probably not more than about two hours ago, but uh, the 636 and watercolor postcards, which you've done recently. And then also mm-hmm. um, I wanted to give a quick mention. You, uh, I believe, won uh, an Indie Soap Award for the best guest yes. performance. For yes, be- well, yes, because it's a send-up of toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me laugh just to to, set, to explain the concept. It's a send up of toddlers and tiaras. Yes, and I thought it was. I thought your performance was really good. <laughs> it, well, it's totally. It, it's uh, the young actress that plays uh, the little girl is actually twenty seven, twenty eight years old, and they have her talking like this, and she's got a tiara on her head and a banner across her tiny chest. And so I saw this girl, and her name is, name is uh, Annette LaChandra Champagne. And I, I saw the pilot of this, and they said, the producer said, we want you to play this the senior version of this character, someone down the road from having played this young 
John Benet Ramsey esque uh, toddler who's won all these uh, banners and all these titles, and we want you to play the older version. <laughs> and so they put me in the tutu and uh, you know the hair and the makeup, and I said, you know, no mirrors. I can't look at how, and I said, you do, you make me look like whatever you want me to be, which was a big step for me. I usually controlled all of that hair and makeup and and the look. And they did that and put me in this tiny little costume, and and I did this sort of long monologue, and that's that's what's on the demo tape of Pretty. But, yes, uh, uh, I did win Best Comedy uh, Guest Star, uh, for that episode uh, for the Indie Soap Awards. So I'm real happy, and I have that little trophy down in my office, too. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to uh, address the 636 because I, you know, watching it, uh, just the little clips that I was able to see, I, your performance, uh, I cannot tell you enough, just immediately brought me to tears. The character itself, I could just see that this, um the sadness and the and the loss of mm-hmm. not only just loss of memory but the loss of self and yeah yeah you know, i i just thought boy this is a consummate professional right here <laughs> well that's that's so interesting the guy that because we sort of redid the tape uh to add the 636 in cuz that's the most recent thing i've done um it was just several months ago but um and it's also a very different look and a different zip code that I go to. But the editor had an actor in uh, the booth with him when he was trying to sort of uh, put the 636 into the demo reel. And the uh-huh. and he teaches acting also. And he said, oh, my God, this should be – I mean, I was blown away by this comment. He said, this should be uh, – every young actor should see this, you know, as uh, acting – 101 or whatever because he said what she does in profile shots is textbook because I always think that it isn't just your close-up one vision or view of your character it's it's the side the profile it's also the back I remember um uh, in 30 something Patricia um Oh God! What is her name? The one that Wedding. she had the, Patricia Wedding. Yes, she yes, yeah. and her husband was directing that episode because he did several directing jobs, and they were both in thirty something. But she got the news that she had breast cancer. I think it was it, it was cancer at any rate, and he did a shot of the back of her, no dialogue, rinsing the dishes off in the kitchen, and that shot of the back of her told me everything I needed to know about what she was going through. It was brilliant. She was brilliant. And he, her director, was brilliant to choose that, to tell us, the audience, how she feels. And that's true of anything on film. It's every part of you, just as it is on stage, but but just as much in film. It's every part of you that has to tell the story of who that character is. So I was sort of proud of the six, six, but he said the same thing too. He said the work is brilliant, and I thought no because it's so, I don't know what the word is, loopy. She's kind of loopy, and I didn't expect her to be quite that loopy. <laughs> but but anyway. I, you know, I, you're so right that, um, in you know, just the direction and the and the way the camera angles are, you know, it it it's all a collaboration to tell this story. But yes. I. I really, um, I just thought the the way you portrayed Rose and the I can't think of the actress that you played against. Um, oh, Keisha Sharp. Keisha, yes, yeah, she was. Um, yes, there's a scene where you table with the birthday cake. Right, that's where he did the profile. Yeah. Yes, yes, and I just it, it, in in any regard, it just immediately brought me to tears and that is a hard thing to do for me in a uh wow. with with watching shows because you know I see it sometimes as an actress and I'm mm-hmm. you know watching the camera angles and things like that so mm-hmm. for an actress to bring me into into a character is mm-hmm. I I just I I have such great admiration for it so well um, you know I thank you for that and I also I I also think that every character has a silhouette 
what's the silhouette? Because I always think, what, what shoes, what are the shoes, which is the bottom of the, it's like the Christmas tree stand. What, what are the shoes she wears? And what is her silhouette? And if I can nail her silhouette, it'll tell me everything about what, who she is. That's, it's the outline against the light. Is she stooped? Is she tall? Is she curvy? Is she, um, there are all kinds of possibilities and variations. Is she elegant? It's questions I ask myself, but the silhouette is a big key. Uh, Joan's relationship with uh, Valine, uh, mm. how would you describe that? Well, I'll tell you, she was often tougher to live with, to not bring home with me sometimes. Uh, many characters <clears throat> I can do and I can leave the film lot or the gates and, and I leave it there. And with a play, it's usually trickier because it gets very deep. The character gets deep into me, but you can leave it at the stage door. She was intermittently um, tricky to leave uh, at the gate uh, with the gate guard, um, but she was the two parts of me. I was born in New York City, and until I was seven years old, grew up in Manhattan, right in New York City, with my grandparents on Sutton Place or uh, in West Nyack, where our house was, and um, West Nyack, New York. So I have the New York part of me, which is more sophisticated, and then I have the Colorado part of me. When we, when I was seven, eight years old, we moved to Denver while our house was being built in Boulder, Colorado, and there's the Colorado in me. So I draw on those two parts of this Gemini actress. I draw on one or the other of those two uh, backgrounds for the characters that I do. Your thoughts on your good friend Michelle Lee? There are no words. You know, <laughs> I always I always joke, no, listen. And did she tell you we're all going to see her uh, in a couple yes. weeks? She does it. Yes, we're all yes. going. It's going to and be. she's so excited. Yes. Well, she should be because you know what? She's got the producer. She's got the whole nine yards. Every one of us will be there, and that'll be emotional, I'm sure, for her, probably for us too. But it seems like we get together more often than not because we either do photo shoots or we did a just before Christmas of this past year in uh, December, I think it was like the 12th, we did a two-hour Hallmark special reunion uh that was a basically a talk show it was home and family that show and two hours worth of all of us together so we're together you know more often than not and um in a couple weeks we will see her at a uh do a cabaret of you know her amazing songs and her amazing singing and uh it'll be wonderful but i know it'll be emotional i am sure of it and with michelle I always say Donna taught me lighting, and <laughs> she did lighting and how to put together the you know the the look. Michelle taught me everything else. Mich- Michelle taught me script breakdown of character, uh, directing almost. You know Michelle's mind is uh, she multi she multi divides and multitasks, and she does she does a breakdown of the character, the scene, the whole nine yards. So Donna taught me lighting, and Michelle taught me everything else. And um, besides that, we're just we're just all very close in very specific ways. You know, Michelle is one chapter, Donna is another. Donna and I have done shows since Knots together, uh, Nip Tuck being the one that comes to mind uh, most quickly, um, where we played uh, co-members of the Beverly Hills Cougar Club. So we were the Beverly Hills Cougar Club, and... Um, uh, did a couple episodes actually, and one of them was with Joan Rivers too, as a matter of fact. But um, Michelle is Michelle is the Broadway in New York in me. Maybe that's it. And the and Donna's more the Hollywood the Hollywood and film part of me. But the three oh, of us what a are great tribute. No, truly, truly, because Michelle is Broadway Broadway baby, and um, I saw her in Seesaw with Tommy Toon. Uh, I don't know that I saw how to succeed, but you know, there's just there's just she's part of my DNA as is Donna, as is Julie, and is Ted. Uh, I mentioned to Michelle, I, I saw this in an interview, and I I found it so precious 
that I wanted to mention it to her. Uh, you gave her something very special, which said to Karen, always by your side, forever Val. I just wanted to know if you would elaborate on that a little bit. Was that the cup? What, what Or was that the note that was on? Because I gave her a cup, a yes, coffee cup. Yes, it was the cup, yes. Okay, that's what I wondered. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the photo, I think it was a group shot or maybe it was the two just the two of us on a coffee cup. I think it's cup. just the two of you on the coffee cup, but I thought it was such oh. a precious precious gift. <laughs> uh, well, story storyline-wise, uh we were uh, Val and Karen were always besties, BFFs. So, story story-wise, that was one thing and that became incorporated in life. I remember one and I don't think Michelle would mind me saying this. We had a location out in Pacific Palisades which is quite a trek or no it's Palos Verdes which is even more of a trek out along the coast because of course Knott's Landing was California and many scenes were were coastline uh shoreline shots and scenes. And Michelle was leaving Jimmy Farentino, her husband of many years and the father of her son, David. And she called me like the night before and she said, this is a tough night for me and it will be a tough day tomorrow. Can you pick me up on the way driving out to uh, Palos Verdes? And I picked her up at her house and we drove out together to go do that day's worth of shooting because it was going to be tough. Those were two those two people were, you know, they had a history, you know, as mm-hmm. actors, as husband and wife, the whole mm-hmm. nine yards. Very emotional 24 hours for her. And she said, I finally got the courage up. We're we're separating. We're divorcing, blah, blah, blah. So I drove her out and, of course, drove her home. And um, that kind of shows the weave of love and emotion and connection that we have. That That was... That was one kind of signature 24 hours that you don't even have to talk about or say anything. You're just with each other. It's just support, yeah. girlfriend. It's girlfriend, and it's it's heart to heart and soul to soul, and and that's that's the two of us. You know, I find it really uh, special that the camaraderie between the cast, even after the show has ended, so very few times do you hear. You know, you do a show and then people leave, and or you know, you hear about backstage this and that, and it's mm-hmm. really nice to hear how close you all were. Even though you know the characters themselves, you know, may have, like you said, with with uh, Donna Donna mm-hmm. Mills as Abby, and mm-hmm. um, so it's just really a nice thing to hear. I have a theory that the show wouldn't have lasted as long as it did, which is. Uh, 14, actually 14 years, because I, I say 15 because it I include Dallas and the season or two that I did on Dallas before going into knots. But the show would not have lasted as long as it did if there was um, an inner vibe that wasn't connective as we, in fact, were. We all, there wasn't what I call a bad apple in the group. And if there was, that person was peeled off from the ensemble and we had a true ensemble company and oddly enough it seems that as we age and as we all continue on in our various uh, jobs and paths and work and obligations that we still stay connected and that's sort of the proof of the pudding right there and and we in fact have and I project that we will from now you know from now on. Do you see uh, Hollywood or just, you know, the process of acting and and uh, what's out there now, the TV shows and web series and, and what have you, uh, do you feel it's more difficult for an actor now to get into the business or do you, as opposed to, you know, in the 70s, I guess? Oh, 80s. no, I don't, I don't think so. I know there's a field of incredible young talent that is just eager, and rightly so. I just saw a Yale Drama School uh, showcase of the graduating seniors from this year's class. You know, there there are gorgeous, wonderful, 
talented actors, you know, just starting out. I do think the rhythm of the business has gotten unbelievably intense. And but there's lots of product and lots of opportunities. Webisodes, as you said, cable. Um, you know, even people are putting things together with their cell phone. Um, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of possibilities. So the the possibilities are limitless. The biggest change I would say uh, is the rhythm that it it it's at mock speed because everything is just a you know you just press a button and it's on the air. Press a button and it's it's out there and it's irretrievable. It's in ink. It's not in pencil. It's in mm-hmm. ink and it stays out there. But it, it, it is, um, you know, you've got to learn lines and uh, rehearse maybe once and that's it and go and uh, lots of improv. And it's just, you know, instead of being uh, at 33 and a third, it's at 78. It's at the top speed. And it may get even faster. I don't know. But that would be the biggest difference. But I think it's kind of wonderful that we have all these you know, crazy chances. I've done a lot of, not a lot of, several indie features, and that's braver too. That's the off-Broadway of the network Broadway. And the off-Broadway is braver, riskier, um, edgier. And I love that. I love that there's rock and roll in Joan Van Ark, and I love heavy eye makeup and crazy ladies. And I'll I'll be the first to jump. I'll be the first to jump on, you know, I want to play the grandmother from hell, who's, you know, trying to still who's still trying to be a cougar, you know, so there's all kinds of possibilities. And so I say it's great. The only thing is fasten your seatbelt because it's fast. What is your favorite thing about acting? Ooh, I think it's the process. That's a great question because it made me emotional all of a sudden out of nowhere. And it's the gift of getting a script in your hands looking at a character and saying, wow, let me try, breathe life into her. To study the lines, I can't believe it's such an emotional question. Study those lines, learn it like crazy, and then throw that script away and go to the set. Let God sit on your shoulder and deliver her, deliver her. So it's the process. It must be a fascinating joy to see a a character that you created to come to life and well, I'm usually I well, I'm usually terribly critical. So, joy might not be the right word <laughs> because because you know, I go through 700 layers of execution trying to deliver her. And so, I don't know that joy is quite the word, but if you know when you what you said about the 636 that gives me joy because I always go through an awful lot to try to bring a lady, a girl, a woman to life. I go through an, a lot. And if someone gets it and sees it or it it resonates with them, there's joy. That's joy. For more interviews with Outtakes, follow me on Twitter at Laurie's Outtakes or like my Facebook page at Outtakes and Blog Talk Radio. Until next time. Uh-huh.